it says for the purposes of this chapter, and we're in chapter 24, if you go into chapter 21 of the tax code and search for a definition of wages, where it says for the purposes of this chapter, meaning chapter one, wages means you don't find it. It's not there, so you can't use it. But the IRS just uses wages in a generic term, like, well, you earn money from your labor, and therefore you have to pay tax on it. Well, not when you go step by step through the statutes, you don't. Because everything that's on your W-2 comes from subtitle C. You can't even use that. I mean, they're getting even more complicated on their tax forms now. I don't know if you've seen them. Let me show you this one. So here's an older tax form. It just says, this is from 2021. So line one says, wages, salaries, tips, tax form W-2s. The new ones are cutting that all, all together and just says, total amount from form W-2s. It's, it, it's scratching out the term wages and salaries and everything all together. But when you look at this now and you go back, it's like, why would you put anything from a W-2 on a Form 1040? All of this information comes from Subtitle C. This has nothing to do with income taxes. Hey, friends. Sean from SGT Report here. Thank you so very much for coming on back to the show. I have a very special treat here for you. That was our friend Brian Swanson. His website, capitalversusincome.com. Do you know what you're legally required to pay in terms of quote unquote income taxes? Well, it's time to learn the truth because this system wants you broke and dead and it's time to fight back. Hey friends, before we start this one, which I highly recommend you listen to, just a quick word about our sponsor. The markets are all over the place and nobody's quite sure what to do. What are you doing to make sure your money is safe? Precious metals, gold and silver, have seen us through wars, depressions, and natural disasters for thousands of years. Now, always do your own diligence as there is no guarantee in any investment of any kind, but gold and silver might just be the answer right now. Open a Noble Gold Investments IRA today and claim your free three ounce silver American virtue coin. Yes, free. Call 877-646-5347 right now and safeguard your financial future against market volatility. That's noblegoldinvestments.com. The link is below. Hey friends, welcome back. Thank you so very much for tuning in. It's Sean from SGT Report. Guys, it's tax time. Boy, yeah, I got to tell you, it is my least favorite time of the year. It is a time of the year that causes me nothing but anxiety. And that's because I think the entire system is wholly unconstitutional and overtly tyrannical. Did y'all know that the IRS has never even been part of the U.S. government? I mean, a lot of you know that. It's a little bit like the Federal Reserve. <laughs> that's not part of the U.S. government either. Yet they wield so much control over the economy and the dollar and the issuance of the dollar as inflation runs out of control and people are increasingly desperate to even pay for food and rent. This is the system under which we toil. And I wanted to get Brian Swanson back on the line. He's just a regular Joe who doesn't want to pay one cent more than he's legally required to pay. So in this one, we're going to talk about his website, capitalversusincome.com. Let me welcome Brian first. How are you, Brian? I'm doing well, Sean. How about yourself? Well, I'm doing well, but uh, I'm getting a little sick and tired of watching the sycophants in Washington, D.C. tell us, uh, you know, another hundred billion for Ukraine, 10 billion here and there for Israel. You know, it's always money for illegals coming across the border for free. And we 
the taxpayers, the citizens of the Republic, the former Republic of the United States, are getting fleeced all day, every day. And now people are getting really, really desperate. Uh, maybe you can comment on that first, and then we'll play the uh, important soundbite from researcher David Strait. Yeah, well, the government doesn't really even need our taxes, does it? I mean, it just prints up all the money that it wants and spends it off into the economy. So the whole idea of collecting taxes is more just like a, a nuisance, you know, just sort of a, a way to to keep the rest of us down so we don't accumulate too much wealth. Well, that's right. Same with the death tax. You know, you pay in taxes your entire life. If you're lucky to leave any estate to your heirs, if it's over a certain amount in some states, the state then says, give us the other half. It is absolutely off the hook tyranny. And I can't believe, I got to blame the boomers for this. I can't believe there hasn't been a revolution in this country, an anti-tax an anti-federal income tax revolution in this country long before now, David. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, it, I guess it all goes back to, you know, what the, what the Supreme Court has said, you know, the, the remedy is the ballot box when it comes to taxes. I mean, if people don't want to pay taxes, they're, they're supposed to go and get involved and make their voices heard. But I think Americans probably are almost too distracted, more interested in football than, you know, how much money they're paying in taxes sometimes. All so right. It requires people to get off their off the couch and go do something like the like the the uh, the farmers in Germany. You got to start making some noise. Yeah, that's right. We don't see too many movements like that in the United States. Well, we did, I guess, with the mega rally in uh, Washington, D.C. on January 6th. But we can see what the Vipers did with that. They spun the narrative and called it an insurrection, which they continue sure. to use to rig the election and jail people unconstitutionally, in my view, uh, given all of the evidence they tried to bury. So Here's the deal, guys. This interview is for informational purposes only. It is not tax advice. I uh, suggest you all do your own due diligence, though, as it relates to this topic, because y'all are being fleeced. We've all been being fleeced for a very long time. So let me play this clip from David Strait over on Twitter. And I'm about halfway through. It's only four minutes long, but I want to play the rest of this because it's really important to understand Federal Reserve notes are debt and they're not taxable. How do you tax a debt? Listen to this. Go back to the origin of everything. That's something I've always done. That's what I've been good at. Where'd the IRS come from? The Internal Revenue Service. Where'd they come from? Listen up. They came out of the alcohol, tobacco, firearms, <clears throat> which is now ATFE. Because they added explosives. That's where IRS came from. Where did that come from? It was a registered corporation out of Puerto Rico. The IRS has never been part of the United States government. Ever. Nope. In fact, it does nothing but fund the crown. Yep. It's their third-party debt collector. And not one dollar that goes to the IRS and a dead 40 funds U.S. government. That's right. You want to shut them down, cut off the funding. The only taxes we're supposed to pay, by law, and I'm happy to pay them, because we're supposed to pay them to support those 19 essential governmental services we contracted for. You know, let me just rewind that clip and I want to play it from the beginning so you all understand how this insidious system began. Federal Reserve notes, again, those dollars you have in your wallet, are not taxable income. Listen closely. They're not. How do you tax a debt? You don't make any income. Do you guys even know where the 1040 came from? Lincoln, the 1040 bonds. You guys watch my videos. The 1040 bonds. Abe Lincoln got up on, in front of the media 
and he announced the 1040 bonds to Americans, please support the war effort. I want you to consider it as a gift because the the government is broke and you may never get paid on those bonds. But please invest. We need the money to fund the war effort. And Americans stepped up the plate and funded the 1040 bonds far more than they ever thought they would. They bought tens of thousands of them. And no one ever got paid on them. And no one ever got paid on them. But we're all supposed to submit our 1040s every year. It's taxation without representation. You know, I'll let you take it away, Brian. Where do you want to start? Um, yeah, well, like you said, this is this is tax time, you know, and everybody's got to decide, you know, how they're how they're going to be paying their taxes this year. Um, and when you look at the income tax as a whole, I mean, the whole question, I mean, there's there's lots of different ways to analyze it. I mean, some people think you only pay it if you're exercising federal privilege. And there's others, you know, that say that, well, unless you're one of these um, federal persons inside the uh, the federal government, you don't have to pay it. Um, you can analyze it like a complex math problem, 10 different ways and and solve it 10 different ways and still get the right answer. You know, that you know, essentially you don't really owe the tax. Um, my perspective that I want to talk about today is if you just look at the law itself and analyze it, go step by step through it, and you don't pay the tax anyway. The way that's written, if you follow it the way it's written and only report what you're required to report, you almost virtually pay nothing anyway. So it's almost like you got to pick your battles. You want to try to say that, you know, a, a philosophical argument, you know, like, um, Unless you're exercising federal privilege, you don't pay it. Or you want to try to go only federal persons inside the federal government have to pay it. Or you just want to look at the code and say, well, if I follow the code step by step and ask what exactly what the law says, not what the IRS has asked for, that's different. But if you follow it just the way the law is written, you virtually pay nothing anyway. So it's almost easier to analyze it from that perspective. Yeah, I'll just want to take you through um, and show you just some excerpts, some edits that I made to the Web page. Um, and just show you how the tax code is laid out. And then we'll just follow it step by step. And I'll just show you the way I analyze it. And we can go from there. All right. I'll show the website unless you want to take control. I could let you do screen share. But uh, how's okay. it? Yeah, no, after. Yeah, you can let me do screen share after you if you want to plug it first. And then I'll, then I'll do okay. the Okay. All right. Well, here's the website, capitalversusincome.com. All right. So this is Title 26. This is the tax code. And this is how it's laid out. You can see it's all divided into individual subtitles. The income taxes are just in subtitle A, okay? So when you're calculating your taxes, you're looking at subtitle A. Our um, social security tax and the um, withholding taxes, they're in subtitle C, okay? So what the IRS is doing basically is confusing the two taxes, maybe intentionally or unintentionally, you know, up to you to decide. And we end up paying more tax because we're not following, you know, the statutes and subtitles, subtitle A, so like I said, your income taxes in subtitle A, your social security and withholding, that just comes from subtitle C. Now, all your definitions for wages that the government wants you to use to calculate your gross income and your income tax, they actually all come from subtitle C. Okay, this is where you do your federal insurance. This is where you do your withholding. So pretty much we're dealing with chapters 21 and 24. And that's it. <clears throat> I mean, people want to make it sound like it's real complicated. And I guess it is if you've never looked at it. But once you just go through it step by step, it's really not as complicated as many people want you to believe. So chapter 21 is where the Social Security is done. OK, so this is the definition of wages out of chapter 21. Every single one of these definitions has this little um, caveat here. For the purposes of this chapter, 
Chapter 21. You can only use this definition in chapter 21. You can't use it anywhere else. Wages means all remuneration for employment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay? So for the purposes of this chapter, you can't ignore that, that caveat. You cannot use this definition anywhere else. And we're just going to follow the tax code the way it's written and calculate our taxes. Now, when you go to the Social Security tax, you can see it's written plainly and easy to understand. 6.2% of wages. That's what's on your Social Security tax. It's right there in black and white. Not hard to understand. Both uh, chapters 23 and 24 also have their own definition of wages. The point I'm trying to make here is each and every chapter that has that uses wages has its very own definition. There's a definition in chapter 21. There's a definition in chapter 23. And here's a de definition in chapter 24. And they're all pretty much laid out the same way. For the purposes of this chapter, wages means. Okay? So when you get your W-2, okay, your W-2 is a summary of your compliance with subtitle C. If you look at all these requirements here, this comes out of 6501. This is where your um, information returns is what, you, what W-2 is called. All the information that's required to be on your W-2 is listed right here. See, the total amount of wages as defined in 3401, that's subtitle C. Total amount of wages as defined in 3121, that's subtitle C. The problem is your gross income and your income tax is not calculated in chapter 21, 23, or 24. It's calculated in chapter one. All right, subtitle A is where the income taxes are, okay? Chapter one, these statutes go from one, from number one all the way up to 1400. When you're outside of 1400, you're beyond you know, chapter one. Chapter one is divided up into Two subchapters. For most people, you're just dealing with the first two, determination of a tax liability and computation of taxable income. That's it. Section one tells you what taxable income is. There are different definitions for married couples and unmarried, but the language is pretty much the same. There is hereby imposed on the taxable income of, you know, a tax determined in accordance with the following table. The tax is imposed on taxable income. Not hard to grasp. Section 63 tells you that taxable income is gross income minus deductions. Pretty easy. Okay, so we go for the definition of gross income, that's section 61. And that one has another caveat, except as otherwise provided in this subtitle, meaning subtitle A, meaning you can't use any terms or definitions from subtitle C or anywhere else. You've got to stay in subtitle A when you're calculating gross income. Except as otherwise provided in this subtitle, gross income means, and the only one we're con concerned with right here is compensation for services. It all includes all these other things, but when you're talking about your labor or your, your employment earnings, you're talking compensation for services, including fees, commissions, fringe benefits, and similar items. What word is not listed there? Wages. When you say compensation for services, you know, in your mind, you could conjure all kinds of things, but you, you have to stick with the legal definitions that we are provided here. This is kind of like a computer program. Have you ever written a computer program? No. Okay. Well, <clears throat> when you write a computer program, it, it's like it's like a virtual world. It's like um, the, the writer gets to create the de definitions and create the variables and then define what the variables mean. You know, the legal code is not much different than a computer code. It's a virtual world. And the writer gets to create what well, are not called variables here. They're called legal terms and then define what they mean. So in this case... Compensation for services, including fees, commissions, fringe benefits, and similar items, is a wage similar to a fringe benefit? No, a fringe benefit is like a gratuity, something you get over and above 
you know, if you're not working for it, a wage is something you earn from working. So these are not similar items. When Congress wants to use wages, you know, like we just said up here, it defines wages and it gives you a clear definition of what it is. You don't see any wages here in, in chapter 61. When you're calculating your gross income, you have to stay in subtitle A. You can't go around anywhere else. So let's keep going. There's implementing regulations for each and every statute. And the one for 61A is the one shown here, 1.61-1. I just want to focus on the bolded part here. To the extent that another section of the code or regulations there under provide specific treatment for any item of income, such other provisions shall apply notwithstanding section 61. So that just basically means if you go find a separate statute that deal specifically with any of these specific items, you have to use it, okay? The one that deals specifically with compensation for services is section 83. And you can read it there. I'm not gonna go into it right now because I'm gonna skip through and so you can understand what's going on. Okay, so what's happening here is, this is what should be happening, okay? Your income taxes are calculated in subtitle A, okay? When you put, get on your 1040, there should be something on there that says compensation for services. And that would direct you to subtitle A in the tax code. Okay. And then you'd have to go into subtitle A and figure out what the meaning is of gross income based on the statutes in subtitle A. Everything that's on your W-2 comes from subtitle C. Those are your employment taxes, your social security, your FICA, and all the rest of it. Okay. So that has nothing to do with your income taxes. Those are two different subtitles, okay? So what the IRS is doing is just doing the old bait and switch. It's saying, take the information off your W-2 and put that on your Form 1040, completely skipping subtitle A altogether, okay? So what you really should be reporting <clears throat> is not all of your wages because there are no wages in chapter one. If you search all of chapter one, where your income taxes are calculated, like I was talking about up here, you will not even find the definition of wages anywhere. You can search, you know, high and low. Um, in chapters 21, 23, and 24, you can find wages all day long. But when you go into chapter one, there is no definition of wages. Can we do this? Because it's also confusing to me and the listeners. Sure. Because, you know, I've had people like Brent Johnson on. I should have re-listened to that interview I did with Brent about this because it would help me too to be better equipped with the language. But what is the difference between, see what they've done here is compensation. Well, mm -hmm. compensation, obviously in the mind of the taxpayer is any income at all. If you've been compensated for exactly. labor, for depreciating, inflating away dollars, you got to pay taxes on that. So we really should talk about compensation versus income versus wages, because it's it, it all gets so cloudy. The cloudy is the intent, okay? Confusion of terms is how all of this is like 90% bluff, which is why you just got to stick with the legal definitions. I mean, what are you going to call income? Income is really the way, you know, if you go back into 1913 and use income the way they used it there, they said, you know, you got to separate your capital from your income. The capital is the money that you earn from your own labor. Okay, and the income is when you acquired some capital, you invest your capital, you get a gain on your investment, that's income. That was the legal separation when, you know, when the 16th Amendment says income, it's talking about money you're off of your investments. I mean, that's why it was considered a, a tax the rich scheme, because only the rich people had money off, earning off money off of their investments. The working man, he's just got his capital that he earns from his own labor. So we don't even use the terms the same way that they did back then. Okay, so when you say compensation for services, 
it's not everything that you conjure up in your mind to be compensation. That's the way, you know, the lawyers and the IRS want you to think of it. But when you go into the law and, and re actually report your, your earnings, you're just supposed to stick with the legal definitions and don't add words that aren't there and just report what it's telling you to report. In this case, it's saying fees, commissions, fringe benefits, and similar items. I want to, I'll show you real quick. A um, This is a Supreme Court decision, Rosello versus United States. It says, where Congress includes particular language in one section of a statute, but omits it in another section of the same act, it generally presumed that Congress acts intentionally and purposely in the disparate inclusion or exclusion. So in our discussion, Congress explicitly included wages here in subtitle C, but doesn't use wages in subtitle A. So we have to assume that's intentional. There are no wages in subtitle A. And using wages, which are showing down here, using wages out of subtitle C to calculate your income tax in subtitle A is a it's the it's part of the deception. It's part of the word game. It's part of how, you know, um, as you were saying, you got so many terms and definitions flying around, you can't keep it all straight. And that's the point. If everybody is so confused that they can't keep it all straight, they just say, oh, just show me where the sign, I'll just pay the tax because you can't, because they're getting all confused. The confusion is part of the, the intent. The, the, the tax doesn't have to be written this complicated. I mean, I think the whole purpose is to deceive. It doesn't have to be written this way, but you know, it's written this way to keep it complicated so people don't try to figure it out and just pay what they actually owe. So the money that you earn is called what versus what the IRS calls it? You can assign different terms to anything, okay? So whether you call my my money earnings or wages or um, it, it doesn't matter in that regard, okay? Um, what's being taxed, the legal definitions of what's being taxed is what, what counts. And when you're calculating your gross income, you have to stay in subtitle A and just use the terms and definitions from subtitle A. So compensation for services doesn't include wages. One, because there is no definition of wages anywhere in chapter one. Like when you go back and look at this one from chapter 21 that I showed you or 24, it says for the purposes of this chapter, and we're in chapter 24. If you go into chapter 21 of the tax code and search for a definition of wages where it says for the purposes of this chapter, meaning chapter one, wages means you don't find it. It's not there, so you can't use it. But the IRS just uses wages in a generic term, like, well, you earn money from your labor, and therefore you have to pay tax on it. Well, not when you go step by step through the statutes, you don't, because everything that's on your W-2 comes from subtitle C. You can't even use that. I mean, they're getting even more complicated on their tax forms now. I don't know if you've seen them. Let me show you this one. So here's an older tax form. It just says... This is from 2021. So line one says wages, salaries, tips, attached form W-2s. The new ones are cutting that all, all together and just says total amount from form W-2s. It's, it, it's scratching out the term wages and salaries and everything all together. But when you look at this now and you go back, say, why would you put anything from a W-2 on a form 1040? All of this information comes from subtitle C. This has nothing to do with income taxes. Why would you do this? I mean, if I were to put information from a, a, a W-2 on my Form 1040, I'm actually breaking the law. I can't sign this under penalty of perjury because one, the definitions of wages found in the code say, for the purposes of this chapter, meaning I can't use this in chapter one. I can only use these definitions in chapter 21, 23, and 24. So why is the government asking me to, to put wages from a W-2 on my Form 1040?
So go it's back. It's all back. part of the deception. It's all part of keeping it so confusing that people can't figure it out. Go back to that uh, new 1040 where they've cut out the word wages and they've changed the form. So what would you, this isn't tax advice, but uh, no. hypothetically, what would a person do who got a W-2? And by the way, we'll talk about 1099 income for those of you who are uh, independent contractors. Hypothetically, what would a person who received a W-2 do? How would they fill this document out? Or do they not fill it out? Boy, and then we're into an area of not filing your taxes. And then they come after you for that. Yeah, well, for most people, I mean, like me, I, I go to a job and they take they take money out of my pay every year and they issue me a W-2. But I don't owe most of the tax, but I still fill this out because the W-2 or the 1040 also acts as your claim for refund. If you've overpaid taxes... If you if you owe no tax, but they've got you know eight thousand dollars of withholding on you, the only way to request that money back is to fill out the form ten forty and request your money back. So it also um, doubles as your claim for a refund. Um, so the only thing I could tell you to do is to to fill out it correctly as you believe it to be, because you're the one signing this under penalty of perjury, not your employer and not the IRS. Okay, so for example, for me, what I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do this year. Um, I'm going to report exactly what it tells me to report here. I'm going to report my fees, commissions, fringe benefits, and similar items. As a public school teacher, I got two bonuses this year. These are things that were over and above my regular salary. Okay. So I'm going to report my two bonuses because I think those two bonuses would fit within this description of fees, commissions, benefits, and fringe benefits, and similar items. And that's what I'm going to report, including with, you know, I got some pensions and stuff like that that I'll put on there. But as far as my wages go, I'm not going to put that on there because that goes back a little bit here. Where we were talking about on a, on Section 83, because this is the only one, the only statute that tells you exactly what shall be included in the gross income of the person who performs such services. You won't find any statute that tells you how much wages to include or how much salary to include, because in Chapter 1, basically... It reduces all of your payments. Everything you get paid is a form of property, okay? So if this reads that if in the connection with performance of services, property is transferred to any person other than the person for whom the services are performed, et cetera, the excess of the fair market value is what shall be included in the gross income. So then you have to think, well, what the heck is this fair market value thing? I've never heard of that before, okay? That actually comes from the Supreme Court, and you can see that right here. It says the willing buyer, willing seller test for fair market value is nearly as old as the federal income tax itself, but nobody's ever heard of it because, you know, you're not using this because the IRS sends you to subtitle C. Because the fair market value is the price at which the property would change hands between the willing buyer and willing seller. So if I'm the, between me and my employer, if we willingly agree to a particular salary, like say $80,000 a year, that by default becomes the fair market value. And what you're supposed to report is any property that's in excess of the fair market value. So if you, once you establish what your um, yearly salary is going to be, if you get a bonus, a fringe benefit, because income is, is that in essence is anything over the original purchase price of something. You know, it's, it's, it's a gain of some kind or another. If you buy a piece of property for $30,000 and you sell it for $40,000, the income would be the $10,000 gain, but you don't do it that way when you're dealing with your own labor, okay? You're dealing with something called fair market value. The fair market value is what the original purchase price would be, and anything over and above that is what's called 
you know, the excess of the fair market value, that kind of becomes the income. I mean, if you don't want to get that deep into it, you can just, again, just go back to 61 and just report the fees, commissions, the fringe benefits, and similar items. These are the types of payments that would qualify as the excess of the fair market value here in Section 83. But you're not paying it on, you know, your actual salary and earnings. It's just the excess of the fair market value. So for me, when I go back to this total amount from Form W-2s, what I'm going to put there and what I'm going to sign under penalty is perjury is I got, you know, two bonuses that were over and above my regular salary. I think those is what qualifies according to the law as it's written. And if they say, well, why didn't you report your wages? Be like, what wages? The wages is defined in subtitle C down here. You want me to report these? I can't do that for three reasons. One, the definitions of wages say they only apply to the chapter in which they're uh, defined. Two, there are no wages in uh, section 61A up here. And section 61A says that when I'm calculating gross income, I can't leave subtitle A. So that's why I'm not reporting wages because I'm not allowed to. But the IRS doesn't care about that. They're doing the old bait and switch here. They're just saying, well, look at your W-2 and just put that on your form. Don't do all this thinking and analyzing. This is a whole lot easier. But when you think of these two as like variables, these are two different legal terms in two different sections of the tax code, and they're used for two different purposes. When you look at wages versus compensation for services, wages is the bigger number, okay? Because wages means all remuneration for employment, and that's used to calculate you know, your Social Security tax. The compensation for services, you're chopping that up into two pieces. One section is what's called the fair market value. The other section is the excess, like your bonuses, your fees, your commissions, your fringe benefits. And that's what you're supposed to be reporting. So even if you're one of the people who have to pay the tax, you know, if you consider yourself like those people who work inside the federal district and you know, all these other things that you might have heard about, mm -hmm. even if you have to pay it, you're not really paying as much as the IRS wants you to pay. If you keep it uh, limited to what's actually written and don't don't fall for the little sleight of hand trick that's going on here, you end up paying a lot less tax. Okay. Now, what about people with 1099s? Could you address that? People that are independent contractors, then they get 1099s. And by the way, just let me make one note on all of this. The insidious nature of what this system is and how nefarious it is and how they steal our wealth through inflation and taxation, it just can't be overstated how absolutely satanic it is in my view, because you're exchanging your labor and your time for their fiat dollars. And then they turn around and say, your compensation for your time and labor, those dollars we paid you, those dollars you got paid, now you owe us an income tax on your labor. That's the very definition of slavery, Brian. Yeah. And really, when you're talking about your labor, you're talking about a capital asset and that, that's handled differently. OK, so, you know, if you talk to an economist or like a CPA, they're going to say, well, everything that comes in is income, whether it's your labor or it's an investment or you're getting uh, unemployment and anything that flows out. Well, that's expenses. But that's not the way it's looked at constitutionally because of the system that we've got. You know, it splits taxes into two categories, direct taxes and indirect taxes. And the direct taxes have to be apportioned and the indirect taxes are uniform. That requires a specific legal distinction between these two things. And when the Supreme Court was talking about it, and I can show them to you later, but it's like if you have a capital asset and you convert that capital asset into money, that mere conversion is not income. And that's that's what's happening when you're 
getting paid for your own labor because you know you think you're a capital asset is in your life how many days minutes hours you have um you know upon this earth if you spend 40 hours um a week working you know you've lost 40 hours of your life but in exchange you get 40 hours of, of you know money that's just that's basically a conversion of the capital you have 40 hours worth of financial capital now okay when it says from any source combined you know gross income means all income from whatever source combined the source means a source of capital your labor is a source of capital that's where the capital originates in our capitalist society and once you've acquired capital, you can do three things with it, spend it, save it, or invest it. And if you invest your capital and get a gain on the investment, that's how you generate the income from the legal and constitutional sense, not necessarily the way you know an um, economist would look at it. But your life and labor is a capital asset, and it needs to be viewed as capital, not as income. And when you get paid for your labor, that's how you acquire your capital asset. That is your source of capital. And now you can go do anything you want. If you spend all your capital and never invest a dime, you'll never generate an income. And that's the way they looked, looked at it back in 1913 when they were creating this thing. But the terms have changed. We use the terms differently now than we used them back then. And that, that's, part of the, that's part of the word game. This is a giant word game. And you just got to unravel it and keep it all straight. You know, follow the bouncing ball and keep your eye on the three seashells. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like like a lot of people you had on before said it's this 90% bluff. You know, you're using the wrong terms. How can you tell me to go to subtitle C and put that on my form 1040 to calculate income taxes when income taxes come from subtitle A? You see the, the the statute range is listed on here. So the income tax only goes from statute one to 1,564. If you're giving me statutes from in the 3,000 range, you're not in the income tax anymore. Well, why do you tell me to put that on the form 1040 for? So I could you couldn't even sign that under penalty of perjury because it's wrong. Mm -hmm. So do you deal with 1099s? Is that an area you'd like to get into at all to advise those folks? No. Well, the 1099s are are kind of, kind of the same. It all depends on it's just a different employer, right? I mean, for, yeah, different for, employer in a different form, but it's the same concept. It's the same concept. Why would one pay tax on money that you've been compensated for for your labor and your time? So it's the same exact issue. And uh, I know some folks who have corrected their 1099s to zero to say this mm -hmm. is not income. And then they cite U.S. code. You could help us through that. And uh, and then they submit their taxes. And uh, I mean, that, that's a way when, when you're dealing with them, you have to find some way to communicate to the IRS. And there's lots of different ways to do it. That's one. You know, you can fill out the alternate form and you know issue this as a correction. You're just waving a piece of paper. It's like I'm doing something different. I don't think this is taxable. Um, as long as you're, you know, from a legal perspective, from what I've understood about it, as long as you're sincere in your beliefs and you can justify what you're doing and you can explain it, I mean, the worst that they could say then is you're wrong that you owe the tax. Um, that doesn't I mean when you start getting into, you know, intentionally defying the tax code and not filing your taxes. I mean, that's when they try to, you know, throw you in jail for evasion and all kinds of things. But um, as long as you're staying within the statutes and you can cite them and you, you know, give it an honest, good faith, you know, attempted to, to follow the law, then the worst they could say is you're wrong and you just have to pay the tax. Okay. And uh, look, in the interest of time, maybe we should switch gears. I'll leave a link to the website below. Sure. The thing I wanted to talk to you about is what Puerto Rico has been up to. And uh, they offered a reduced tax rate for well-heeled people that would move there and bring their businesses there. 
And I think that federal tax rate, if you qualified and uh, you were part of this program, your federal tax rate would fall to somewhere in between four and six percent. And to me, it always felt overtly unconstitutional. And I guess the theory was that, well, the people in Puerto Rico, if you move there and you become a resident, you don't have representation because they don't have two senators, et cetera. And so they're not able to be represented. They're not taxed federally. I think the whole thing is just poppycock. And what happened was is a whole bunch of millionaires and even billionaires moved to Puerto Rico to take advantage of it. And uh, I think it's wholly unconstitutional to the rest of us who clearly feel unrepresented by our own folks in many cases as well. But uh, you filed a lawsuit uh, to attack Puerto Rico's tax exemption. And uh, I wonder why. Why did you do that? Uh, Well, I'm just trying to highlight the tax issue as a whole. Um, trying to get into the news, but I think the Puerto Rico issue seemed like a weak underbelly for the tax. And if you just try to go to the courts and just, you know, do the income tax by itself, I mean, they, they slam you down. You got, you got to find some way of incorporating another issue with the income tax issue at the same time, I think, to try to, you know, um, pry it open and have it, somebody take a look at it. Um, the reason Puerto Rico is treated differently goes all the way back to when Puerto Rico was acquired from Spain in the Spanish-American War. There was a series of cases known as the Insular Cases where the Supreme Court said that we're going to call Puerto Rico an unincorporated territory. And as long as it's in its unincorporated territory status, um, it's not really subject to the Constitution the way the rest of the country is. And their justification was saying, well, since Puerto Rico was acquired by a treaty, um, Congress really hasn't decided what to do with this territory yet. And so therefore, um, we're not going to really hold the uh, the Constitution to be fully in effect over places like that. And so that's how it originated. And so it's because of Puerto Rico's status as a, quote, unincorporated territory is why, you know, like the uniformity rules and the income tax rules haven't been applied to Puerto Rico. Um, there was a recent case here by the Supreme Court. I don't know if you know about it. It was like the Madero versus um, the United States. Have you heard of that one? No. Uh-uh. No. Well, it was a guy who was trying to get his Social Security benefits. And the Supreme Court basically ruled that since, you know, since the people of Puerto Rico don't have to pay income tax and, you know, there's no reason why they should have to be given uh, Social Security benefits either. And Justice Gorsuch, he ripped the case to pieces. He said we should have never treated Puerto Rico differently from the beginning. The insular cases are a complete sham and we ought to fix that. So that's one reason I did it. I was like, I was sort of piggybacking off of um, Justice Gorsuch's opinion and say, but I've also come to the uh, opinion on my own that that Puerto Rico is in fact an incorporated territory now because Puerto Rico is no longer in a um, treaty status with the United States. Congress approved its constitution in 1952. So my argument has been that, well, ever since con- Congress approved its constitution, it's no longer in a treaty status. It's now part of our constitutional system. So it's not an incorporated territory, an unincorporated territory anymore. And the constitution does apply for it, to it. And if, you know, American citizens in, you know, Minnesota and Georgia have to pay the income tax, and there's no difference between those and the American citizens in Puerto Rico. So that's, that's the argument. And since, I mean, the way you have to do the income tax, you know, um, suits like that is you technically have to pay the tax first and then sue to get it back. So in my tax year 2022, um, you know, I ended up paying like $2,000 in tax or something like that. So that's the basis of trying to get it back. So uh, we'll see what happens. 
Well, keep us posted. I'd like to know what happens. And, uh, you know, I've had conversations like these, as I said, with Brent Johnson, uh, with my friend James Tracy, who I want to get back on, uh, Alphonse Fagiola, and uh, so many people doing great work in this area. But it's still cloudy in the sense that it doesn't seem like everybody is always on the same page. But I know for a fact that people are implementing strategies to fight back because when a private Federal Reserve issues currency out of thin air and inflates it away, that is already a form of taxation, onerous taxation. To add injury to insult, when they pay you for your labor, when they compensate your labor and time with those rapidly inflating away dollars, and on top of that, they want you to pay taxes, this is why we're about to see a revolt in this country. I don't know if you follow TikTok, but the young people are freaking mm-hmm. out, Brian. They're freaking yeah. out when they look at their W-2s. They're freaking out about taxes at the end of the year when they already, many of these folks do not make enough money to mm-hmm. even pay their rent or their grocery bills. And uh, they have no hope of home ownership. I mean, again, look what happened in Puerto Rico. This tax loophole attracted billionaires and multimillionaires. I know some of them who moved there. I don't want to call them out specifically, but you know one of them. He's a big gold and silver guy. There's a lot of coin guys there. And I don't want to call them out. More power to them. But I think it is wholly unconstitutional. And what happened because of the loophole in Puerto Rico? Puerto Rican residents who have lived there for generations are being priced out because inflation is soaring. Home prices in Puerto Rico are up some three, four hundred percent in the last since 2016. I mean, it's out Mm -hmm. of control. And I think the whole thing is just wholly unconstitutional. And I don't just mean Puerto Rico. I mean this entire taxation system. It's blood money, and it ought not be paid by anybody with a pulse. Yeah, well, it is tax time, and people are going to have to decide what they're going to do here. I mean, because the IRS isn't standing over your you know, head with a gun when you do your taxes, when you're sitting at your kitchen table. You're the one who sits down and figures out what you owe and what you don't owe. So, I mean, if you're paying wages out of subtitle C, and using that, and you don't know why you're using wages. You know, you need to sit down and figure it out. Um, you know, your money is your responsibility. Well, and again, just to interrupt briefly, because sometimes it takes me a while. Wages versus income versus capital. They call it wages. You are trading your labor and your time for fiat dollars. What are you calling that if not wages? Just help us understand one last time. It doesn't matter what you call it. I mean, you can call it what you call it in the real world capital yeah i would call it capital yes the money that you earn with your own labor is your capital and when you invest your capital and get a gain on your investment that's your income so when the 16th amendment says income it's talking about investment earnings it's not talking about employment earnings okay. and when you go step by step through this like we just did your employment earnings really aren't even being taxed the only reference they're being taxed on the social security side but that that's a whole nother question but the more layers you peel back, you know, the, the more rabbit holes you go down. But the way it's written, as we just went through, I mean, your labor is not even being taxed. That's being cut out of the, the process, you know, with through word games. OK, I mean, kind of like what we're showing right here. I mean, you're, they want you to put your wages on the form. But if you use compensation for services and not wages, if that line one that we said there said compensation for services, you'd be going into subtitle A to figure out what that means. And you wouldn't be paying, you know your full salary, you just be paying it on the fringe benefits. And then, and that's part of the word game. But everybody's gonna have to sit down for themselves and decide, you know, I mean, if you're not willing to fight for your own money, I mean, most of the battles with the IRS is simply a paperwork battle. You know, you do your thing and if they just disagree, they send you a notice and then you respond and it goes back and forth. And 
I mean, if you're not even willing to do the paperwork drill, you know, to, to fight for your own freedom, your money is your freedom. And we can talk about, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But you know, the more money you have in your pocket, the more free you are to do with, you know, whatever it is you want to do. So everybody's going to have to decide for themselves how, how much and how far they're willing to fight for their own money. Um, like going back to the tax bill, like you were saying, getting confused between all the different words. You know, it's a giant word game. You know, the tax code is a virtual world. It's an abstraction, you know, like kind of like a computer code. Don't get confused between the words we use in the real world you, with the words that are used in the tax code. You, you got to treat those two things differently. Um, like I said, if you like word games, this is a this is a doozy. So um, you just have to nobody's going to teach you how to do this. I can't remember who taught me how to do my taxes. I guess somebody said, well, you get these documents in the mail and you just put these numbers here and add it all up, sign it and send it in. But if you want to figure it out, you know, ultimately you have to do the work and, you know, go through it yourself and go line by line and statute by statute and figure out what you got to pay. Because, you know, your tax lawyers and your CPAs are pretty much just doing what the IRS wants you to do. They don't don't challenge the IRS. Just just fill out the forms and be safe, pay the tax. But you end up getting, like you said, financially raped when you do that. Because I think if you follow the, the code as it's written, you don't pay nearly as much tax as, you know, your tax lawyers and, you know, the IRS tax forms want you to pay. So we're all on our own. You know, it's up to you uh, how much money you want to sacrifice to, you know, to the system. I got to tell you, this is the one topic that really, really gets me agitated because I think the whole system is built to destroy us and uh, turn us all into serfs. And there's no better example of that than a country that prints money out of thin air. And Robert Breedlove has said this. Why should we pay taxes when they just print money out of thin air? Brian, I guess that's the final question today. The only reason... Uh, that we don't need to pay taxes right now is because the United States dollar has the world reserve currency. That's the reason why the federal government can just print money and spend it into oblivion. You know, when they lose that, when that goes away, then the, Fed, the United States government is going to be like any other government. They actually will need taxes then because they could print money all day long. And if you can't buy anything, what good is it? So the United States has been actually been in a, a unique position for a while where it literally could have, if it wanted to, eliminated all taxes and just printed the money out of thin air and and went and spent it into the market. But, you know, like mo most things, we squandered that. Yeah. You know, I actually have here, you know, um, you were talking about the, the Federal Reserve notes at the beginning. I have what's called a, a United States note. <laughs> Back, you know, uh, I guess when Kennedy was putting out the United States notes and not the Federal Reserve notes, they're, they're, they're slightly different, of course, as you know. Yeah, and it cost him his life. Yeah. Well, I appreciate having you on today. Uh, it's a complicated topic, and uh, I'll show your website one more time. If uh, anybody wants to reach out, do you do any consulting or anything like that, or what do you do? No, not really. I mean, it's just all for information. If people want to start getting involved and start doing it themselves, you're looking at the federal income tax here tab. There's three different tabs, but that's basically what we were going over today. I'm um, just breaking down the tax line by line, and just you know, I would just encourage everybody to just follow the law, read it and obey it exactly as it's written. You know, when it comes to gross income and compensation for services, report your fees, commissions, and fringe benefits and leave the rest in your pocket. But like I said, you're going to have to go read it for yourself and, you know, figure out what you're going to do. All right. Well, I appreciate you. And I thank you for your time today. Our guest has been Brian Swanson, the website capitalversusincome.com. Guys, I will leave a link below. Thank you, Patriot. We appreciate you. No problem. All right. Keep in touch, will you? Will do. Thanks, Sean. 
All right, man. Thank you. All right, friends. Appreciate you very much. I'll remind you every single day, just check us out for free. All right. At sgtreport.com. If you want the real news, the antidote to corporate propaganda, we provide it for you there every single day, 24 seven, absolutely for free. Thanks for tuning in. God bless you and yours, friends. Bye-bye. You can't see disease X, Sean. You don't know what it is. It's invisible, right? So that is the greatest form of terrorism you could ever have is when you can't see the enemy. Now, when you can't see the enemy and then you have multiple of these across the board, their next phase of warfare is not creating wars across the world. The next phase of warfare is simply biological warfare.